Welcome to the DMF. I'm your host, Justin Yance, and this is episode 62. And I'm going to talk about Christopher Plummer, who just recently passed. I'm going to talk about the Marilyn Manson and Army Hammer situation. I'm going to talk about books I read. I'm going to talk about the film Eraserhead, WandaVision episode 5, Little Politics, and we'll end with a quote. So stay tuned. So let's start with Christopher Plummer. He just recently died uh, yesterday. Um, it's very unfortunate. Um, he is an amazing actor. Um, also, we need to talk about how Hallbrook, he died as well. So we just lost two great legends in the same week, and it's very sad. But, I mean, they lived a long life. It's not like they were taken from us early. We had them for a very long time. Um, one of the last things that I saw of Christopher Plummer was um, the film Knives Out, where he played Harlan Thromby and uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Johnson's film, kind of his redemption for The Last Jedi. Um, he was wonderful in that film. Um, I saw him in All the Money in the World. I thought he was great in that. Um, my acting teacher, he loves the film uh, Remember. I've watched some of it. He's very good in that. Um, I saw a one-man show he did. Uh, he was great. Uh, beginners, uh, he is the oldest person to win an Academy Award, and he won it for Beginners, and he's great in that. Um, a film that a lot of people don't know of, but I've always appreciated, was the uh, film The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. That's a great film that uh, Christopher Plummer did. Um, a lot of people think of uh, The Sound of Music, um, he was also in The New World, Syriana, Alexander. Wow, look at all the films he's done. Nicholas Nickleby, A Beautiful Mind, The Insider. Wow. Wolf, I remember him in Wolf. I mean, Dragnet. <laughs> I mean, he... he he has stood the test of time. The man who would be king. Um, just, I mean, it's really hard to put into up. He's an up. I mean, this is just, wow. I mean, you're talking about somebody who just really knew his craft and knew it inside and out. Uh, Hal Hallbrook, um, one of the films that he did, one of his later films, um, Into the Wild, I've always remembered him in Wall Street uh, as the, the young stage, a Lincoln, great in Lincoln. Um, he did a stage show uh, at Mark Twain. A lot of people have said that that was amazing. I've, I've never seen that. Um, All the President's Men, Magnum Force, uh, Promised Land, I mean, he just, I mean, he could do comedy, he could do, 
just an amazing, uh, just an amazing, yeah. His biggest notable thing was the one-man stage show he did as Mark Twain. Um, but you got a, um, Robert Patrick put on his um, Instagram what, a, what an honor it was to work with him. So, I mean, we lost two greats, but they will not be forgotten. I, I know I keep saying that, but those men will not be forgotten. Um, anyone who has ever been an actor knows how good those two are. Um, it's sad, but it's also nice to see them being celebrated. I think they should be celebrated more because I don't think people realize how good they really were. But, um, yes, amazing work by both men. And they will be missed, but as I said, they will not be forgotten. So now I get to a controversial su subject. Now, this all started with Army Hammer. I mean, you could say it started with the Me Too movement. Um, Army Hammer, some of his texts were um, put out, and a lot of women came forward and said they dated him and that, you know, he liked to carve them up and that he, you know, would send text messages like, I want to eat you alive. Here's my problem with this. Um, it, there didn't seem to be a problem with this when they were dating him. Now all of a sudden it's a big problem. You know, this is the thing I'm seeing. It's like a woman calling rape. It's like, is this consensual? I, I feel like this is going to lead to um, sexual intercourse being more of a legal contract where you're going to have to have a woman sign something and a woman's going to make a man sign something, and it's all going to be put in legal terms, and it's going to ruin the spontaneity. Another thing that came out is Evan Rachel Wood said that uh, Marilyn Manson was physically abusive to her, as well as verbally abusive to her. Um, like I said, why didn't you come out sooner? It's not like she was a big star. Nothing changed in the past year. What change now. I mean, it feels like a lot of these women were upset, you know, didn't mind it then because they were at a different point in their time, life, and now they're like, oh, I don't like that anymore. Now that was wrong. It's like, well, it should have been wrong then. Are you going to tell me? I mean, Marilyn Manson wasn't the most powerful person in, in Hollywood. You can't tell me it was like Harvey Weinstein. A lot of people saying they're afraid to say anything, but why didn't this come out in the Me Too movement? I mean, we're looking at, you know, Johnny Depp, and a lot of the stuff that came forward, uh, some of it was false. So it just, I feel like some of these accusations are getting out of control. Um, if he did do that, I mean, but I'm sorry. You cannot tell me if you were dating Marilyn Manson, you, you thought that man was going to be a gentle lover. I, I have been dating in it, and I and I know I'm like, this is not a gentle guy, you know. This, you know, he's he's gonna do. I mean, some people get off on electrocution, and you know, you know, choking. I mean, look at David Carradine; he died in a sexual act as well. You know, I mean, 
different strokes for different folks, I always say. Um, so where do we say is consent? Is it consent here? Do we believe the woman? Do we believe the man? I feel like it's on all a mess now. I mean, we're going to all have to just sign NDAs, <laughs> non-disclosure agreements. And I just feel like that's not kind of where sex should be. But I feel like that's where we're going. Because it's like, if every time somebody's going to be brought up with these situations, I mean, where where do you draw the line? Um. I feel bad, though, for Marilyn, and I feel bad for Evan Rachel Wood, and, and this is coming from somebody who likes both people. I'm a fan of Marilyn Manson's music, not so much of his later work. Um, Evan Rachel Wood, I've loved her ever since she did um, the movie 13. I thought she was terrific in, in Westworld. She really brought that to life. Um... She's somebody who I, I've always thought was a, was a wonderful actor. So it's hard for me to, you know, to choose between the two. I feel, you know, hurt by this. And I know some people are going to say I'm sexist for this, but um, you're talking to somebody who voted for Hillary Clinton, so I don't think I bear that that name. I'm just asking the questions. And I feel like in this day and age, we need to ask questions. If we're not going to ask questions, then what are we? We must ask questions of both sides. No matter how horrific it may be, we must always ask the questions. That must be, otherwise, you know, it's just, it's one word against another. Now, poor Army Hammer, he's lost his agent, he's lost his publicist, same thing with Marilyn Manson, I'm like... Their lives are completely ruined now. And it's for something that happened in the past. Hold on. I just think it's unfortunate because I'm, I'm not trying to pick a side here. You know, if some of these things are there are horrific, but I've seen sexual acts that I would see as horrific and they've been consensual. You know, when I hear, you know, choking with a belt and, you know, electrocution, I'm like, <laughs> can't get more physical than that. That sounds like that's a lot of pain. But, like I said, different strokes for different folks. So what is consensual and what is that? So I got to ask the question. And I'm trying to be on both sides here because I see both points. But I feel like there needs to be an argument for both sides. And it seems like one side is being the dominant side and the other side is just being left to be canceled and this is what people are upset about with the left and the cancel culture it's out of control i mean uh we just witnessed a, a wrestler who dealt with crippling anxiety because he said some things when he was younger i mean some people you gotta realize are you know f young and foolish and we're taking that adolescent part of them away because we're having this zero tolerance for anything and it's like some people, you know, need to learn, but I don't think their lives should be ruined. I don't know. I try to have empathy for both. I feel bad for them, you know. I feel bad for both. I feel, I feel bad for Army Hammer, um, terrific actor, and now I don't think he's going to be able to do what he loves to do. Same thing with Marilyn Manson. I mean, 
should your life be completely destroyed because of this? I, I don't know. I, I, I raise that question. So it saddens me. But I want, always want to be honest. I always want to give my opinion. I can't just sit here and say, yes, those men are evil. And I can't sit here and say, the women are all, you know, they're just, they have no point at all. I'm like, no, there's points to be made on both sides. It's more shades of gray than anything. But we need to have the discussion. And I don't see the discussion being had. So that's what I have to say about that. Um, but yes, and don't know where where to go with this, but I feel like cancel culture is getting out of control now. And we have to be careful because PC culture led to Donald Trump. Donald Trump led to the Me Too movement. The Me Too movement led to, you could say, QAnon and this stuff. It's a vicious cycle if we keep trying to one-up one another and not see the other's side point of view. We will remain forever divided. And that's my point on that. So when we come back, I'm going to talk about the books I read. Okay, so books I read over, well, this week. Um, I was very fortunate. Um, a friend of mine, Charles DeLuca, gave me a book that I really enjoyed. And that book is A Very Punchable Face, a memoir by Colin Jost of uh, SNL fame. And I really like this book. I, I found myself laughing out loud and to see all the things he came through and you know, a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of people just think of him as the guy that on Weekend Update that married Scarlett Johansson. But he he's done a lot. I mean, from growing up in Long Island to, you know, his fights with his brother to to, you know, to coming to going to Regent and and then going to Harvard and, you know, going to SNL and becoming the head writer there and just continuing to succeed and through all his trials and tribulations. And he's very funny. Um, one of my favorite stories was when he meets uh, Lauren Michaels, you know, you know, he asks me, you know, he's like, well, let me see if I can do uh, a Lorne. Lorne sounds a lot like Dr. Evil. Well, you know, i got to be honest with you. Uh, do you have any questions for me? And Colin asked him, uh, where is he from? And he's talking about it in the book. He's like, a simple question that could have been answered on, <laughs> on the very first page of Wikipedia. <laughs> first thing that comes up. So I found myself laughing out loud, and he put in, like, parentheses, he said, this is like asking a genie, can you make sandwiches? <laughs> I, I just found him to be very funny. Um, he talked about um, when he went to Europe, he was with a family that spoke, like, no English, and he said he was uh, 
very miserable at one point, and he actually ended up having to go home. They didn't know his name. <laughs> um, this is very funny. He talks about um, doing a punching game with, um, I forget what the, I think it was the Blackhawks. And he's punching, and he found out he ended up breaking his hand. <laughs> um, going to SNL and, you know, I, talking about how he's pitched, you know, probably over a thousand things. He's written over 500, 500 um, things. He, he goes into detail about, you know, you know, the questions he's always asked on about Saturday Night Live. Um, I didn't realize that his mother, you know, uh, part of the firefighting um, on 9-11 and went down there and she was rescued and she could have been trapped in rubble. And that, you know, is quite, um, it's quite a feat, you know, to survive that. Um, he jokes about how in <laughs> when 9-11 happened, they were like, maybe they're going to attack Harvard. And the funny thing is, when I was at school, I actually had that same thought. I'm like, oh, no, what if they come here? You know, because everyone just thought, like, they're just going to come and, you know, attack you. Um, let's see. I've got the book right here. I feel like I'm, I'm missing some stories that I love. But I just, I really enjoyed this book. This was, this wasn't written like every other celebrity book. You, he had a voice and he had a, a through line and it really worked. I mean, some of these you know, wrestling books I've read, I'm just like, okay, you're just retelling me things that I've already heard. And this guy, he has a very good voice in his writing that's very unique to him that I found um, interesting. He talked about how um, Artie Lang was on the... <laughs> The last uh, one of the shows that uh, Will Ferrell did on the Good Guy, Good Night Saigon finale. Um, I, I, I just found it very funny. Uh, he talks about <laughs> just, I mean, just the way the the chapters are are labeled. Um, the way he makes fun of Harvard and says, "Look, it's not even really that great," you know. Um, probably anyone that went to the post, um, the top hundred schools could do the Harvard, you know, work. Um, so I, I just really liked this book. I, I found him to be really likable and really interesting. Um, meeting Jimmy Buffett and surfing and having to be saved by Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> I mean, he just is funny. Um going to, you know, South America and getting um, a bug bite that meant that he was going to have um, eggs were laid in the bite, which sounds very gross and disgusting. Um, but he just has a very... I just found myself laughing out loud, and I, I found it so funny and so delightful, and it's got to be one of the best books I've read so far this year. And maybe one of the best books I've read um, uh, last year. So I, I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed this. So thank you, Charlie, 
for this book. I really enjoy it. And uh, he sent me another book, uh, Elton John's memoir. And I'm going to read that next. And I look forward to reading that. Now, that's not all I read. I read, uh, well, I'm not finished with it, but I've been reading the uh, pic- the picture of uh, Dorian Gray, which is an interesting book. You know, a lot of it has a lot about beauty and, you know, what one's willing to give up for that and keep and attain. And it's written by Oscar Wilde, who, you know, he wrote The Importance of Being Earnest. So he saw the hypocrisy in the system of um, Britain and all those, you know, these rules that really don't mean anything. Um, one of the books I'm going to read this week as well is um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. This is a book that um, a lot of entrepreneurs point to as the, the light bulb that went out, went on. Um, another book I'm going to read is The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Clayson. I, I, I don't know, I think it messed up my uh, thing on there, the spell check on my words, but really good book. Uh, Colin Jost, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm tempted to see if I can contact his agent and see if I can have him on here and do an interview because he just seems like such an interesting character and somebody who just went through so much and I really recommend that book The Picture of Dorian Gray that's a that's a great book too um, I'm sure a lot of you have already read it um, but yeah really good books and uh, I'm once again Charlie thank you for the book and when we come back I'm going to talk about Eraserhead <laughs> So what can I say about Eraserhead? David Lynch considers this his most spiritual film. Um, really unique film um, of the surrealist art. You wouldn't see a film like this being made today. But really one of the interesting films. Um, apparently Stanley Kubrick considers this... Um, told David Lynch that he considered this his favorite. Actually, when he met George Lucas, he took him up to his house and he showed him a film and he said, this is my favorite film. And it was Eraserhead. And David Lynch takes a lot of pride in knowing that, you know, Stanley Kubrick, somebody who he's very inspired by, considers Eraserhead his favorite film. So that's pretty, that's pretty cool. That's high praise. And this is a very unique film. Um, So let's talk a little bit about it. As I said, it's directed by David Lynch. Uh, The actors are Jack Nance, Charlotte Stewart, Alan Joseph, Gene Bates, Judith Roberts. The music is done by David Lynch, Fats Waller, and Peter Ivers. And sound in this film plays a huge part in the ambience of it. It's one of the first things you notice about it is just the sound, the background sound that sounds like almost a radiator going off or, you know, just this humming sound that just goes through the whole film. And this was done in 1977, so you really hadn't seen anything like this. They spent, I think, two years just on the sound alone. Um, It's shot in black and white. 
This is David Lynch's first film. It's quite a triumph for a debut film, uh, a debut film for a director. I mean, just really hits it out of the park. Nothing like this. Um, it's really about, you know, a marriage kind of falling apart and, you know, the surrealism about that and this there and the choices and the child. I mean, at one point, they... And I could talk about spoilers here and it's like, I mean... I don't know. I, I might, you know, put a spoilers here because I'm going to talk about some of my favorite scenes, but this is just... Such a unique film. Sound plays such a huge part of it. The, the photography is just... The cinematography is just outstanding. He really creates his own pace and his own touch. I mean... Um, what is it? Uh, another filmmaker... Uh, wow. I cannot remember his name. Of uh, Dazed and Confused... Richard Linklater. There we go. I jogged my own memory. Richard Linklater considered this this movie blew him away because it showed him, he said, oh, wow, you can make your own pace and your own world and come up with your own rules. I mean, the first ten minutes, there's, like, no talking whatsoever. It's just Jack Nance walking around. And Jack Nance was born to play this part. Um, the music in it, the songs in it, and just this... You can't, it's hard to explain this film, but it's just, it has to be, you, it has to be seen to be believed, because it just is unlike anything you've, it's unlike anything you've ever seen from, from a film, much less 1977, and it still holds up today. I watched it twice, and I was like, wow, this is very riveting and he's it showed that David Lynch was a master at at film one I mean you don't see that a lot a lot of directors get better as they go or you know but he's just wow right off the bat he was he was great um I'm gonna get into spoilers now there's no other way to talk about this movie without getting into spoilers so as always, 10 seconds. Okay, so spoilers. Um, the scene with the, the child that they have, which some have been said is a, is a rabbit or a, a calf, it looks so real. And it's so unsettling. All it does is cry as a baby. And it's like this deformed thing. And it looks like this mutated fish thing. And it's the most disturbing thing you will ever see on film. A lot of people talk about disturbing things. This is it. This is so disturbing. The blood-curdling cries from this fish-deformed child which apparently was David Lynch's daughter that he used that he used her crying to put that as the track. Um, the first some of the first shots was supposed to be um, sperm going into someone. Uh, the woman in the radiator 
the the person that's controlling the the thing pulling the levers the seductress next door uh mary his wife uh, when they're sitting at it when they have that and he says do i just cut them like normal and we see that the chickens are alive and they just start bleeding and we're just like sitting there like what is this what is this you don't, you don't know what it is and and you know the very end when he cuts the child and it's bleeding and then all of a sudden it transforms into this paper mache creature thing and then we we think he may have died and he's going to heaven i mean just the way he shoots the intercourse with this the um, the seductress next door is so unique it's like they're sinking into this pit of uh lava or something nobody's ever made this um at one point his head falls off and it becomes the fish thing child and then it goes to there and we, they start making erasers out of his head i mean a lot of it just it doesn't make sense you're just kind of like go along for the ride it's a david lynch film and he's not going to explain it but, wow, I mean, and Jack Nance, he was born to play this. The way he plays it is very similar to the way David Lynch is. You know, that, you know, kind of like, hi, uh, how are you doing there? Or that, like, awkward kind of thing. David Lynch has that interesting way he uses dialogue where they'll say something like, I don't feel like going there. And there will be this pause, and they'll say, "Well, I don't feel like going there either." You know, like like it's very similar to you know. The only thing you can kind of compare it to is um, Yargos Lotharmios. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly with the lobster, and that the way he has his dialogue is so just different. But David Lynch has his own world, and his own rules, and his own stuff and it's just it's so beautiful to watch and he's so fascinated by industrial the industrial complex and you know the the, the um the smoke come the smokestacks coming out of you know pollution and, and things like that he was very much shaped by the, the you know that world i mean he comes from that mom and pop apple pie type of thing but you know like David Lynch would always go to a diner to write and then he would, you know, take, you know, he said he would go to the diner because no matter how bad it would get in his head, he could always escape knowing that he was in the safe place. Which is an interesting, you know, dynamic there. But this film is just like, some of the stuff in there, you're just like, is that real? What what is that? What? What just happened here? I mean, I'm somebody who likes strange movies with unique pacing and surrealist art. But this is like nothing else. Some people have considered this a horror film. You could maybe say this is a horror film. It's more of a spiritual enlightenment surrealist art. Just a unique film in the sound 
I remember the first time I saw it in New York, I came home and uh, I went to a midnight showing of it. And I just remember just being attentive to all the sounds around me. Like it, it like trained my ears to just be listening to everything. And sound was such a big part of this film. And it just, you know, is a there's nothing it's hard to talk about this because it's just so out there it's so different um but i really like it and it, and it and it is some people you know will talk about you know the comedy is really funny i mean there's part where he goes up to the you know use the elevator and the elevator the doors take a minute to shut just like in real life david lynch is very good at putting real life in a film whereas most people just you know the doors would shut no david lynch the doors kind of slowly shut we're just kind of waiting just like in real life um mary her cries and her crying and everything you're kind of just like you know one of my favorite parts is he's like why don't you just stay at home and Mary's like, I'll do what I want. <laughs> and just the, the apartment, the, the way it's shaped and everything. It looks like the worst place to live. And then when he's taking these sperm things and putting them in there, and the lady with the radiator, who apparently represents hope, some people have said it represents hope, David Lynch is just such a unique filmmaker. There's nobody like him. I really want to see him come back. Cause like, I, I don't know if you saw his Twin Peaks, The Return, but that was just amazing. And everything he does is amazing. Just so good. Um, I don't know what else to say other than the cinematography is amazing. The acting is good. I mean, you wouldn't say it's the amazing acting, but, you know, it's acting for what it needs to be. It's David Lynch style. And, and the black and white, it's such a beautiful film to watch and so unsettling, but it's just everything about it. You know, I don't know, you, you just would... I mean, this is a film that gained notoriety from being, you know, the midnight film. This is the cult film. This is, this is Spinal Tap, you know, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. This is a film that, you know, grew out of that, grew an audience. He got The Elephant Man because one of the producers took Mel Brooks there to see it. I mean, it, it all starts with this. And as the weeks go on, I'm going to go through a lot of his films. I'm going to save Twin Peaks for last. But uh, I think after this, I'm going to talk about Elephant Man next. And on Instagram, you can see some of my favorite shots. I've posted some of my favorite shots. Um, those will be up soon. It's a little delayed because, you know, planning it all out. But those will be up there so you can see some of these shots. But Eraserhead, nothing like it. I don't think we'll ever see anything else, see anything like it ever again.
So I recommend you see it if you like weird, strange stuff. This is the film for you. If you want like really linear storytelling, you know, well, I don't. If you want just a story that you know is just gonna follow beginning, middle, and end, this might not be the film for you. It's very out there. But for film people and people that like surrealist art, this is our film. And we love it. And when you meet people that love Eraserhead, it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of like feeling like a part of a cult. That you're like, oh, wow, you like that too? And I thought I was the only one. <laughs> so with that, when we come back, I will talk about WandaVision. So stay tuned. WandaVision, episode five. Well, this, I feel like I say this every week, but this was probably my favorite episode. <laughs> they just keep raising the bar and it keeps becoming more of an amazing episode. And This episode took us into the 80s and it was kind of a mix between the two types of episodes we've seen in the past three and four. Um... But I, I recommend watching this. As I've said, this is an amazing show. It takes the MCU in places that I don't think people thought it could have gone. The fact that you can take these characters and put them in different genres. So you have a comic book genre, and then you can put them in different genres. It shows the longevity and how powerful characters these are. And this is why... I don't agree with Steven Spielberg when he says that it, the superhero genre will die out like the Western. No, because the Western never mixed and matched like superhero films do. Superhero films are allowing, like, we can just do a drama. You can do action music. You can do a horror film. You can do a sitcom. You can put these people in anything, and it works almost every time. So... I'm ex I'm excited. I I just am loving this show. So there's no other way to get into this without talking about spoilers. So here we go. Okay. So one of my um. So the thing opens up with them having like this th thing with um, like an 80s sitcom and then the children grow. So Billy and Tommy both grow into like 10-year-olds and there's at one point we have um, Catherine Hahn's character comes in and is like, do you want to do that again? And we see the first kind of like crack in the system that Vision is noticing, realizing that wait a minute, is this real? What's going on? And they do a Family Ties opening mixed in with little growing pains. It's a really cool opening. Um, but yeah, Vision is starting to suspect and we see uh, Rambo, Rambo, Agent Rambo, you know, you know, they're questioning her 
and they send in a drone and Scarlet Witch actually shows up and throws the drone at them and is threatening them to like leave me alone. But in this episode, we also find out that she's not controlling everything. So the rumors are it's either Mephisto or I think it could be Nightmare because Nightmare is supposed to be the villain in um, Doctor Strange 2. Um, so we saw that um, at the end of the episode, we got Evan Peters as Quicksilver. So they've kind of mixed and matched and they've melded the two universes together using the multiverse now. So because Quicksilver in the MCU was played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, in X-Men he was played by Evan Peters. So Evan Peters showing up shows that, you know, this is the bridge to to the X-Men. And at one point, they, there was a little joke that uh, Rambo said to um, Randall's character. He said, Darcy's like, I know an aeronautical engineer who can help us. Hint at the Fantastic Four, who I think needs to be played by John Krasinski, because I think he's the perfect person to play. Get Emily Blunt. She should play Invisible Woman. Do it right. Um... But this was such an interesting show because it melded between the two and we're seeing Vision is, is noticing that these characters and, you know, these people are all under control and he's about to have a fight with um, Wanda. But really good stuff and just shows how much thought was put into this um, universe and how how much they really know what to do. Um... I just loved it. I thought it was just amazing. I can't wait for next week's episode. I think it's probably going to end with uh, Doctor Strange coming in. And that's going to take us into Doctor Strange 2. I mean, the, what they're doing with the multiverse and stuff, it's just mm, so exciting, so fun, so different than anything we've seen from the from the MCU, so I recommend seeing this. I just, I just love it. Um, also, we had a little hint at Lagos, where they did a paper towel commercial, and they said, "When you made a mess, and you got to clean it up." And it's like, oh, that's sort of like what she did. Lagos, Lagos is where this all started, where she blew up the building. So Wanda is, I think, being controlled by somebody who is controlling her and using her to populate this world. It's kind of like Inception. She's the dreamer and she's populating it. I just thought this was terrific. It's just a terrific show. It, it may be even better than The Mandalorian in some ways. And I know some people are going to say sacrilege, but I've never seen anything like this. And I'm really enjoying it and I can't wait to see where they go and... Evan Peters as Quicksilver being in the MCU shows that the X-Men are coming. And with that, I will say we will come back with politics. Well, the 
this episode is uh, kind of getting long, so I'm going to kind of um, just touch on a lot of these things because it's almost like an hour. <laughs> um, so a lot of things happen in politics. Um, we found out Lou Dobbs has been canceled because the lawsuits from uh, Dominion against Fox are in the billions, uh, and they don't, they're not messing around, and they have scrubbed themselves of Lou Dobbs. They've taken his show away, and it, it looks like people are going to be held accountable. This idea of where you're going to just lie and get away with it isn't going to happen. Um, the impeachment trial starts next week. Um, Trump will not take the stand. Surprise, surprise, but, you know, he's not going to take the stand, so I, I don't know where this is going to lead. I think he should take the stand. You know what? Let's see him lie under oath. Uh, Representative uh, Marjorie Green, the woman who believes in Jewish space lasers, has um, been censored, and they've stripped her power. They stripped her from the committees um, through a House vote. So if she continues to go down this route, she's going to be removed because it's just not going to work. Um, the fact that, you know, the Republican Party is allowing this, but you know what Mitch McConnell said, that this is not, that she's, um, I think he said she's a cancer to the uh, Republican Party and she's a problem. So that's good. Um, it looks like the split between the Republicans is coming. We've got the Mitt Romney types and the Mitch McConnells against the QAnon conspiracy theorist, um, right wing, you know, consp you know, white supremacists. And uh, yeah, so Marjorie Green has been put in her place, but then she goes out and does a speech and says that it's still Donald Trump's party. This woman's nuts. She's crazy. I don't know what to say. If you believe in all these conspiracy theories, that hole is a well that never ends. You can always just go deeper and deeper and deeper. So I don't know what to say about her. So I'm kind of excited that she's been, her power's been taken away because, like, this is not, you can't ask for. Pelosi's head on a spit and, and things like that and still represent the country. You can't ask for, you can't be in favor of physical violence and still be a representative. I, I just think that's a, a bridge too far. And what we're seeing is words have consequences. And if these people continue to do this, it's gonna, it's gonna hurt them financially because companies are not gonna want anything to do with her. Not gonna want they're not gonna campaign for it, they're not gonna do anything. And without money, you can't do anything in politics. So she's gonna have to kind of coax this, cool this down because otherwise she's not gonna have anything. Um, the checks, it looks like the Democrats are gonna go through reconciliation and they're gonna just push through the checks because the Republican Party doesn't want to do anything about it, and so $1,400 checks should be coming. And I'm like, if there's any way for the Democrats to win over Republicans, it's by giving them money. So I'm getting more money in people's pockets and solving COVID. So that's what it looks like we're going to have. The checks are going to be shoved through and whether people like it or not.
and words have consequences, and the impeachment trial is starting next week, which will be interesting. Let's see what happens. Uh, Marjorie Green has been stripped of her power, and Lou Dobbs has been canceled, and Fox News is going to have to be scared. Oh, and the My Pillow guy, the Newsmax reading on the air that we don't condone what he is saying. They want him on there just to talk about Twitter, and he just goes on there and rants. These people realize that if you keep going down this road, well, you're going to get sued because you can't just lie. Words have consequences. Uh, Mark Cuban said this on uh, Chris Cuomo's show. He said, look, these things have consequences, and if you keep going down this road, you're going to get sued. It's going to cost you. Words matter. And with that, I think we're going to bring this to a close. I end with a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. The future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of dreams. Once again, the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. What that means is dream big and don't let people stop you. Believe in your dreams. Don't let people say that they're... Believe in, believe in your dreams. Believe you can do it. Believe you can do things. Now, that doesn't mean be not be crazy and believe in Jewish space lasers and things like that. I think that's a bridge too far, and that's kind of going into lunacy. But, you know, I, I guess if that works for you, then <laughs> believe in Jewish space lasers. But the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. Let's make the world a better place. Let's have empathy for each other. Let's love one another. Let's wear the masks. Let's social distance. Let's get over COVID. Let's find common ground between each other. And let's be good people. And with that, I don't think I have anything else to say. Oh, uh, I found something that I think if you want to laugh, uh, watch the Tradio calls from uh, Howard Stern. They're very funny. And they never fail to make me laugh. I'm I'm just laughing hysterically because they're just so out there. Richard and Sal, thank you for your comedy. You've you've helped a lot of people in this time, in these trying times. So I want to say thank you for listening. As always, you can reach me at my handle at Justin Yance, and I will see you next time on the D M F.